AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. The soy complex took much of the selling in the grain markets today, with corn and wheat futures retracing early losses to close near unchanged. Lean hog futures posted back-to-back losses for the first time in two weeks, and the cattle complex, wow, jumped on confirmation of another year of tight cattle supplies. From February's Day Afternoon via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll chat with Lee Schultz from Iowa State University. And directly following the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures, I'm a handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Flory. All right, Davis, thank you very much. Wow, what a move in the cattle complex, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a nice ride to the upside in that market or those markets yeah. today. Uh, cattle inventory report that we got yesterday afternoon. We're going to talk about it with Lee Schultz coming up here in just a moment. But uh, it seems to be, I don't know if it chased the selling out of the market or if it is rekindling buying interest, but it certainly worked to the bull's advantage today. There is no question about that. All right. Welcome. Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. That is Davis. Hello. And, um, um, dude, it is 55. De- it is February 1st, mm-hmm. and it is 55 degrees out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to be liking that, don't you? Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely gorgeous. So I love that. <laughs> it's got me feeling good. I might even have to go for a little walk out in the timber. You know, the snow's melted off. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't know. This time of year. There. See what we can see. Well, maybe maybe bring a rope with you or something. Yeah. You know, tie a rope to the garage or something, because I'm here to tell you, this time of year, a flash blizzard, <laughs> you don't want to get stuck in that. No, no, absolutely not. It'll blow fortunately, up out of nowhere. Huh? Fortunately, <laughs> I, I, I think the risk of that is, is very low for this afternoon. Ooh. It's looking good. <laughs> It, it looks good until all through next week, too. It really it, does. It, yeah. As far as temperatures and, and staying clear of winter storms. Yeah. All right, let's get to the markets. What do you got? Well, Chip March, soft red winter wheat futures started a new month of trade with a close back on the top side of 6 bucks. The front month contract is traded on both sides of that pivotal level for five consecutive sessions. Export sales of wheat in the weekend of January 25 totaled 322,500 metric tons, in line with trade expectations. The Philippines topped the list of buyers, with Japan second on the list. Crop watchers are watching for reports of winter kill in the plains, with temperatures now warm enough to reveal potential damage. March HRW wheat futures one and one quarter cents lower, 620 and three quarters. March SRW wheat up six and one quarter cents to 601 and one half. March spring wheat closed at 696. Chip, that's up three and three quarters today. Yeah, just not a whole lot of fresh news happening for the wheat market right now. I wouldn't be surprised to see six bucks hold on to the March SRW wheat for quite a while here. 
Export sales of corn in the weekend of January 25 totaled just over 1.2 million metric tons, and that was at the top end of trade expectations and helped to limit selling in corn futures today. Japan topped the list of buyers along with unknown destinations, Mexico, South Korea, and Colombia. March corn futures opened slightly lower and on session highs, fell back to come within a tick of supporting yesterday's low, then rallied back to close high range and just under the opening range. March corn futures a penny lower, all told, 447 and one quarter on the close. May corn down a quarter of a penny, 458 and a quarter. July corn futures closed at 466, down half a cent. Some traditional buyers showing up there, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Traditional buyers uh, or importers of U.S. corn. That's really good to see. Inside trading day in the March contract, it should keep us pointed in a consolidative fashion, at least through the end of the week. Well, soybean export sales in the weekend of January 25 totaled 164,500 metric tons. That was horribly short of trade expectations and a new low for the marketing year. The lack of export demand is one reason bean futures opened near session highs and closed near session lows. USDA also reported the sale of nearly 207,000 metric tons of beans for delivery to Mexico in the current marketing year. Soybean meal export sales were outstanding at just over 494,000 metric tons. Traders say that export demand was behind the three-day rally to start this week. March beans 19 cents lower 12.03 and a quarter. May beans down 19 cents to 12.13 and three quarters. July beans closed to 12.23 and three quarters. Down 18 cents, Chip. Yeah, March bean meal today was down $6.60. And uh, March bean oil down 42 points. So we talked, I think it was just yesterday, we mentioned that, you know, the way the bean meal market was trading, it was trading like there was some demand that was going to show up. Well, there it was. Well, cotton export sales, just over 349,000 running bales. That was up 37% from the four-week average. Helped support cotton prices. March cotton, 132 points higher at 86.49. Heck of an export tally there, Chip. 349,000 really cotton yep, bales. That was yeah. a good one. Support from the cattle inventory report started in the feeder cattle market and built throughout the session. April live cattle futures posted the highest close since November 6, but failed to close above resistance at the January 29 high of 183.45. April fat cattle were $2.47 and one half higher today, 183.17 and a half. June futures up 225, 181.12 and a half. March beaters up $4.72 and a half cents to 244.87 and a half. Chip. March feeders did fill the October 23 downside price gap, closed above resistance at the number, uh, uh, November two and three double top there. Right, right. And finally, April hogs a buck seven and a half lower, eighty three seventy five. June down seventy cents, ninety seven twenty. Chip. All right, let's bring him in, Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. How you doing, Oliver? Doing well, Chip. How about yourself? That was a nice short chart performance in the cattle today. Holy smokes! Uh, yeah, that that was very impressive. I was kind of in the camp that you know we we would see the consolidation, but we broke out today above above yeah. some big levels for that feeder cattle market. Two forty and a half for the March futures was right at the fifty percent retracement from those highs back in September to the lows in December, and so I thought we, that might be a little bit of a sticky point here to start the new month, but we blew right past it today and accelerated to the upside. Uh, you know, which certainly keeps the momentum in the bull's favor. On the live cattle side of things, you know, we weren't able to get out above the recent highs. We're still sticking at that 50% retracement for the April contract. Comes in right around 183. So it'll be interesting to see 
you know, if, if we can get out above there to round out the week, cash market seems to be firming up quite a bit yep. here. And with uh, clients down in Texas, they're selling 178. So some silver linings out there, uh, yep. especially when compared to where we were just a couple months ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you know, it, 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 it may not be a V bottom in the, in the Fed and feeder cattle markets, but this recovery, we'll take it, won't we? We'll absolutely take it. And, uh, you know, with the way things are shaping up right now, if the, the fundamentals continue to firm up, you know, the yeah. funds reduced literally their whole net long position from September to December. Now they've got room to add if those fundamentals yeah. warrant it. Exactly. Exactly. Here we are in February. Uh, the corn bowls and bean bowls probably taking note of that, aren't they? Yeah, ab absolutely. This is a big month for prices and insurance. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where we shake out uh, through the month. It, corn consolidating here. I'm trying to be as positive, positive as possible. At least we're not continuing to break down. Um, that yeah. That's good to see. You know, a lot of people talking about the big sh short position, but we really need to get out above 450, 452 to spark those shorts and maybe spook them just a little bit here going forward. Gotcha. Got you. Good stuff. Thank you, Oliver. Take care. You bet. Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. Okay, let's dig a little deeper into that cattle inventory report. We'll also talk about what's going on in the hog market and talk through some risk management strategies. Lee Schultz from Iowa State is next here on AgriTalk. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bale hay all day. Sand in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking... In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, we had the cattle inventory report out yesterday. We get, we've talked through some of the details of it, but I want to dig a little deeper into it right now with Lee Scholes. Lee is the livestock marketing specialist uh, uh, at Iowa State Extension. He joins us right now. Lee, it's great to talk with you again. How are you? Great. It's great to be back again. 
Yeah, man. I'm glad that you're here. Glad you're here. So let's just jump right into this, uh, uh, the, the cattle inventory report. I know you've got some things that kind of jumped off the page at you. What'd you see? Well, first, I, I think it mostly came within pre-report expectations. Uh, really, when you look at the beef cow numbers and the milk cow numbers, analysts had it marked those exactly what, what they ended up coming in at. Okay. So cre- credit to them. Um, all numbers were, were generally below year ago levels, which was uh, expected. You know, if you want to compare to history, we have the lowest cattle inventory number, total number of cattle uh, since 1951. The beef cow inventory is the smallest since 1961. Uh, and so realizing that, you know, we're in that downturn of the cattle inventory cycle, it's going to get tighter before we start to build back up. I think really just the question is how much tighter we get. Uh, what is the bottom in that cat in, cattle inventory cycle? Is yeah. it 2024 or does it go into 2025? Yeah. No, no question. It doesn't even seem possible to me, Lee, that that we're dealing with a beef cow herd that is that small compared to history. Uh, how are we doing it? And and still apparently satisfying demand. You're exactly right, and and I think it's a credit to cattle producers. Right, we we become that much more efficient um, at delivering beef pounds, and so you know you need a, a smaller beef cow herd to get that response in uh, beef production, and that's important to note because cattle cycles over time have become a lot flatter because of that responsiveness. So I think you know it's important to keep that in mind when we think about how low this beef cow herd will go, uh, because it doesn't take much until we start to see an impact on beef production. I'll go back to the last cattle inventory cycles. We look back at 2014, 2015, 16. Once cattle producers started to expand, they expanded rather quickly, and we've seen the impact on production and then prices. Yeah. Yeah. Impact on production is is lower beef production for a period of time as the females come out of the slaughter mix, right? And that's exactly right. We're going to get a lot tighter before we yeah. get uh, start to build that production. And so realizing that really this last year or so, we've mitigated a large impact on production because we've had record level of heifers on feed. We've called large numbers of beef cows. And so short term, that's mitigated the impact on beef production. But when we go into that full-fledged rebuilding stage, we're going to pull those females out of that that slaughter mix, and then you're going to start to really see the large decreases in production. Yeah, yeah, that gives you the one last push up on the on the price, and it should be led by beef instead of cattle prices. It should be led by beef prices, and until the beef price gets high enough to shut off demand, but we're certainly not seeing that at this point, are we? And there's some positive signals from beef demand. We've really seen yeah. the, the last six quarters have going into the fourth quarter of 2024, 2023 um, had been lower year over year demand, but I, tw- that fourth quarter started to see some stabilization. And I think that provides a bit of o- optimism here as uh, we know supplies are going to be tighter and they're really going to, so demand's going to have to be driven by consumers willing and able to pay higher prices. We know there's been an income impact over the the last couple of years as we've seen incomes tighten with the impact of of inflation, higher interest rates. Uh, But 
again, some positive news here as of late on the demand front. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, back to the supply side here for a bit, Lee. The the uh, revisions. You know, we we knew that it's been slow to start on the the rebuilding of the beef herd, but the revisions are pushing that from year ago numbers are it, it's pushing that restart of the beef herd rebuilding even further out, isn't it? analysts love revisions. I, I say that jokingly, right? Cause we have <laughs> yeah. to go back and retool all, all of our spreadsheets and, and numbers. But again, revisions are very important because it's important to have the, the most recent uh, and, and accurate data. So right. yeah, when you look at, at, where the, the beef replacement heifer number shows actually that was down much more um, in beginning of 2023 compared to beginning uh, of 2022, 10%. Um, and so, you know, really looking at, at that standpoint is that, you know, we are, I think, pushing out um, this replacement a little bit more. There was some talk, you know, coming into 2024, late 2023, that we'd really start to see um, some some expansion here. And, and we're going to see some expansion, but not the full-fledged expansion that that's really going to take um, uh, us into that that expansionary phase and so yeah. and really that the the revisions I look at the state level numbers there was a ton of revisions there um, and so you know that's going to be difficult to, to really pinpoint I think where the 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 uptick or upstart in, in expansion is because we're going to have to go back uh, make sure our numbers are all with the newest data and then show maybe what states are are bucking the trend a little bit and yeah. where we're starting to see some early expansion going on yeah yeah have you got have you got some thoughts on where the expansion might start? Well, I I think you have to look at at the drought monitor maps. Yeah. Uh, when when you think about where the droughts have migrated, you know, generally they've migrated east, and the, the western and mountain states have. Uh, benefited most from, from some of the recent uh, moisture. And so, you know, there is where we've seen the largest recovery from drought. Um, and so I think there's some, some obvious opportunity uh, to, to start some of that expansion. Now, you know, we're just, we're going to have to have those conditions continue um, as, as we go forward. But I think that's where I would really target as, you know, where we could see some of the expansion, because that's where we've seen some of the biggest contraction over the last couple of years because they were dealing with drought. Yeah. So just Absolutely. to get back to steady state levels um, is going to take them some time to do. Yeah. Yeah. I went, I went through a process of trying to figure out if maybe the expansion was going to show up first east of the Mississippi, you know, with the guys that have got 30, 40, 50 cows instead of 300, 400, 500 cows. Um, I, we just didn't really see the liquidation in east of the Mississippi that we saw west uh in in cattle country so i i don't think it shows up in in those smaller herds out east yet or first do it does it i i agree with you i think when you look at at their capacity to to change yeah. numbers uh upwards and downwards you just see less of that um yeah the the changes that we do certainly see uh, out west and so to really move the needle both production and down or pr production up yes you're looking at, at mostly you know the, the western states yeah. and, and creeping in here into the, the the western corn belt gotcha gotcha okay the feeder cattle market today I, I want to give credit to the cattle inventory report and the idea that this calf crop is going to be smaller in 2024 than it was in 2023. 
uh, I, I want to give the gains in the feeder cattle market, market uh, credit to that. It, would you agree with that? I, I would, and I think it's another indication that the fundamentals haven't changed, right? We are at, at the tightest cattle cattle feeder cattle supplies outside of feedlots they're tighter than they were at the beginning of 2015 when we seen the last low and they're only going to get tighter what had changed or or maybe what the the market was still fully trying to grasp was the makeup of those feeder cattle supplies so knowing that yes we pulled feeder cattle ahead, right? We placed them yeah. at lighter weights. And so, yes, the placements look larger. It gave us larger cattle on feed numbers, but it didn't change the overall number of cattle that, that we have. And so I think, again, th this cattle inventory report helps us realize that if we look at the last cattle on feed report, over 120 days on feed is up 12%. Over 90 days on feed is up roughly 10%. That's not because we're backing cattle up. I think we are still rather, rather timely in our marketing. It's just that those cattle have been on feed so long because we placed them so much yeah. earlier. And so I think, again, we're the market's start, starting to really distill that information. And there's where we're seeing the, the bounce back in feeder cattle. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, and November, December, and first part of January was beautiful for feeding cattle. And then we had that just <laughs> terrible conditions for about 10 days, two weeks. But now, 55 degrees, it's feeling pretty good feeding cattle again. We ought to see the gains coming back, and and I don't know. The weight ought to be just layering on those calves <laughs> out there uh, with, with these conditions. Okay, we're talking with Lee Scholes, Iowa State University Extension Livestock Marketing Specialist. I, we got to stay on cattle when we come back, Lee, because I want to talk about the urgency to get some downside price protection in place. What are you feeling? Uh, what strategies might you want to use? And then let's get over to the to the uh, lean hog trade. We'll do that next here on AgriTalk. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes. Where March hard red winter wheat futures were one and one quarter lower, six twenty and three quarters. March SRW wheat up six and one quarter cents to six oh one and one half. March corn futures were one penny lower, four forty seven and a quarter. May corn down one quarter of a penny to four fifty eight and one quarter. March soybean futures nineteen cents lower, twelve oh three and one quarter. May beans down nineteen cents to twelve thirteen and three quarters. March cotton 132 points higher at 86.49. On your livestock's April fat cattle were $2.47 and one half higher at 183.17 and a half. March feeders up $4.72 and a half cents to 244.87 and one half. And April lean hog features $1.07 and one half cents lower at 83.75. More market news every market day. Tryprofarmer.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. They'll hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad you're with us. We are in the middle of a conversation with Lee Scholes, Iowa State University Extension Livestock Marketing Specialist. Lee, so... When you take all of this from the cattle inventory report and all of this that you're looking at on the demand side of the market and plug it into your market outlook and profit outlook models, what does it spit out for cattle? Well, we're generally bullish cattle, right? And and I think yeah. realizing that that that's going to be the the trend going forward is very important. But that I think realizing that the path there isn't necessarily going to be linear. And if anything, last fall taught us that, right? As we look, think about where prices were heading, you know, into late September, um, and then what we all experienced and, and witnessed there on, on futures prices. Now that we've started to to build back here. In, in 2024. So when I look at 2023, that, that was a rather profitable year, both for the cow-calf producer as well as, as the feedlot uh, producer. And I and I would term it as, as one of the, the higher return years, for especially for cattle feeding, that we've seen in a long time. Now, 2024, uh, if we plug that in, into our, our cattle finishing returns model, looks like a, a loss over $100. Now, that's driven a lot by the high price of placements uh, that were paid late summer to, to early fall that we're gonna okay. we're gonna close out here in the next couple of months uh, and so we're not ready to say that those losses are incurred yet but realizing that we do need to see um, a, a rally in in live cattle to, to see some um, opportunity to, to cut into those losses a little gotcha. bit um, as we get into spring and summer I think there is certainly some more opportunity to see some profits in cattle finishing again okay Um you know, last fall ahead of the September uh, break, when when we were making those new all time highs, anybody that talked about the livestock trade when they came on AgriTalk Lee, they were saying, "Listen, we're making all time highs. We need to be putting some sort of a price floor in underneath this market, just in case we go go through a round of long liquidation." And I mean, some of the Fed, the the some of the uh, uh, spec longs, the fund longs in that cattle market, Lee, you know this, they celebrated an anniversary. Uh, it, they, those funds got long and stayed long forever. Uh, 
in in cattle. So the question now is, now that they're rebuilding that long position, do we give them time? Do we need to be looking at, at putting in a, a price floor on the market? What's what's your thoughts? Yeah. My first thought is is hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And, yeah. and I think as you look back at, at last year, yes, I, I mean certainly I th- I think we were preaching, you know, the opportunity to to limit that that downside risk. But but as you noted, we were seeing week over week increases in prices and, and, you know, you were potentially leaving some, some money on the table if, if you were um, limiting that, that downside risk. I, th- I think when you look at where prices are cur- currently at, where they are potentially heading, uh, you know, I think that the first thing we have to think about is don't limit your upside participation. Right. And because I think the market has some opportunity uh, to, to continue to, to gain. Now, I think given what we've experienced and the dollars at stake, certainly I I think we have to put some protection uh, to the downside. Now, at these higher prices, at the volatility levels we've seen, that's not necessarily cheap to do. But I think given the the risk that's involved, I do think we have to look at that. And I certainly wouldn't put your exit all in one basket, so to speak, as well. I think you look at some target prices, you execute at those levels, you stair-step this up uh, to be able to achieve some prices that we're potentially heading to. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Leave that upside potential open because with as tight as the supplies are and, and uh, you know, what you, what you said about those quote unquote bigger than expected placements that we had in, in, in the past three or four cattle on feed reports, which you said in the last segment about that was so spot on, right? Lee, uh, it, it was just pulling those calves forward. And now it almost feels like we we could be getting into a bit of a hole on the calf side of things. And uh, if you get into a hole on the supply side, boy, oh boy, uh, we we could see some some upside price potential realized on both the feeders and on the live cattle side of things. If you what what about from a, a feed yard perspective? I, I, <laughs> I, it's it's hard to look at these feeder cattle prices at 250 270 bucks and think you need to get some some long coverage in place isn't it certainly you know that that is I mean we're, we're talking less about the, the feed costs right and and yeah. still realizing that that feed costs are are high right relative to, to history uh, but but certainly when you look at, at placement costs and the ability to move um, and appreciate uh, that that's a huge concern as as we've highlighted these feeder cattle supplies are tight and only getting tighter and so yeah. you know the concern is there I, I'm gonna want to remain at or near capacity for feedlots and we're entering a, a very tight supply here. So the opportunity uh, to, to limit some of that, that price risk, I think is really important to be able to maintain the, the levels of supplies uh, that, that I'm currently at. Uh, you know, wow. again, it's a bit easier said than done, you know, as you've mentioned, given the, the high price of those placements. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. Let's go over to hogs and have a conversation there. What, what uh, uh, it's been a nice move that we've had over the past what a couple of weeks here? Um, what what's your thoughts on the the hog market going forward? 
you have to point to, to slaughter levels as as, as really a, a short-term bullish factor here. Last four weeks, we, we've seen slaughter levels down over 2%. Um, they're still up uh, since December 1, when we looked at, at the last hog and, and pigs report. Uh, but but the tighter tighter supplies here short term have been rather supportive of the market. Also, we've we've seen a, a real nice rally uh, in the pork belly primal. Uh, that's increased almost 50% here since January 3rd. That's so, certainly been supportive from the wholesale and demand level um, impact. So again, it's uh, really just rebuilding from where we were um in the in the hog complex but but you know i think similar story to, to cattle the fundamentals really haven't changed it's just maybe us getting a better idea of, of what these supply levels are and the implications uh um for those those hitting the market okay so when it comes to the risk management on the hog side of things what what what's your level of urgency after the rally that we've had so the challenge with with hogs is the market's not really offering a whole lot at this point, right? I mean, as as you look at some of the seasonally higher summer prices, I think there are some above break even uh, levels there, and we're seeing maybe a bit of a return to, to profitability. But from an annual span standpoint, we're we're still well below uh, the the break even level. So you know, again, I think this is one thing to to certainly monitor, um, take advantage of of where we do see so, some current profitability levels. But again, don't limit your upside potential here because I think what the market's shown over the last four weeks is it's possibly looking to uh, see further improvement um, as and you know I we could have highlighted this for beef uh, and I think that the situation is similar for pork you know right now we, we've kind of taken the demand situation as as maybe weak uh, to steady compared to what we've uh, been been used to the last couple of years. But if we see a real breakout in demand, uh, that is really the wild card here that I think could really be supportive. Uh, and, and when you look at, at pork exports, I think they've been a bit stronger than expected. Um, and, and the opportunity there, I think, could really inject some some optimism into this market. Cool. Cool. It'd be nice to get a demand shot. Uh, in this, uh, in in the livestock markets, in the the hog market in particular, profitability for the year ahead in hogs. Are we managing losses or are we managing profits? Uh, we're we're managing losses, but but the situation uh, is getting notably better. So I, it it wasn't that long ago that that we were projecting you know near twenty dollar per head losses uh, for for fair to finish for twenty twenty four. That has been halved. Uh, here with, with okay. the kind of rally th this month in, in January. Um, so again, I think we're seeing some months return to a bit of profitability um, and maybe getting to that opportunity where, you know, we're starting to talk about hedging some of these, these prices uh, or at least putting, putting a, you know, a, a floor on them. Because I think, again, we're maybe setting lows in these contracts is, is the hope um, and, and building up from here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing that I, you know, when, when I think about the slaughter levels that where you started on the hog conversation here, Lee, you go back a couple of years and, and well, two to three years with all the disruptions that we were dealing with, at least we're not dealing with that <laughs> at this point. Uh, what a relief to have, a, a, you know, a consistent uh, outlet or, or destination for those market ready hogs, man, it's. We certainly don't need any backup in, in, in slaughter right now, do we? 
No, and, and, and so I mean, importantly, you highlight there. I mean, ca- capacity utilization is, is a is a big key factor here, and and so I think you know we continue to see you know plants operate at 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 near capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, from a from a winter weather standpoint, we haven't had many major disruptions, um, so we haven't you know backed up hogs in, in that regard. Same could be said said for cattle. So I think mm-hmm. you know all of that says I think we're pretty timely um, in our marketings, and that should generally be supportive uh, of the market. Now you know when you look at, at at corn prices, feed prices are down a bit, so I think you know we could see some heavier weights, and that's going to yeah. add to production a little bit. Uh, but but overall, we, we've remained timely so. Far far absolutely lee you always bring the good stuff thanks my friend i appreciate you all right thanks for having me everyone take care you bet lee shawls iowa state university extension livestock marketing specialist davis and i'll be right back go on the offensive against weeds with antares complete from helena antares complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses with a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here with Chip Flory. Chip joins from the yes. Peanut Gallery. Yeah. Yes, I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. Good talk with Lee Scholes there from uh, from Iowa State. Let's go back to Oliver Slope. Okay. Um. He was talking about. I mean, it was. We spent a whole lot of time talking about the cattle market today. Yeah, we did. And uh, Oliver Slope started us off. I feel like um, with a decent perspective here. It was sort of some consolidation trade, you might say, that has morphed into what could be mistaken for upside momentum. Chip, your thoughts on well, that? Oh, it's definitely upside momentum after Is today. It? I, th- I think, um, y- you know the. The way that this that that this cattle market is trading right now, though, uh, if it was if it was at this stage of the price recovery that we were looking at a year ago, I'd be saying, "Boy, look out!" Uh, you know, we're we're dealing with these tight supplies, and market really hasn't accounted for it yet. 
we sometime in 2023 we're going to make a run up to to all-time highs blah 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 you know that was everybody was making that prediction this year it's more of a prediction of yeah you know what we could get back up there and we could retest the highs yeah it, we should see some strength but after what the market went through September to December eh, you know mm. we we know how vulnerable it is to a setback now there's it, it it's a it's a yeah but market uh for every for every bullish argument that you can make you can turn around and say yeah but it depends on what the funds are going to do with the money in that market Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. A year ago at this time, they were they were getting on. They were either long or getting on the long side of the market. This year, it's a combination of things at this point, and don't know if they're going to make full commitment to the long side of the cattle market again, or if it's going to be a really choppy son of a gun between now and the time that we figure out. Uh, when when the 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 when we are past the supply side crisis now when i say that we can do that one of two ways we can rebuild supplies that's the long grinding way in the cattle market cattle industry to get past a supply side crisis mm-hmm. the other way to get past it is to kill demand <laughs> because you don't okay. need as much supply if your if your demand is gone but like Lee was talking about, and and we've talked about it with several economists that are on the show. Uh, we we talked about it with with Nate Franzine from First Dakota uh, up uh, this morning on the show. The economic numbers that we're getting, I, I say this as I turned around to look at my uh, my equity screen. The Dow's up three hundred points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it feels like it's 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 looking at yesterday's quote unquote news from the Fed and saying, okay, well, that may not be as bullish as what we thought it was going to be, but look at earnings, but look at the economic data that we've got coming. I'm a little surprised to see it making a move, a 300 plus point move. In, in front of the uh, jobs data that we're getting tomorrow morning, but it's doing it. And I you look at the consumer confidence numbers yeah. that are out there. All of it points to no letdown on the demand side of this beef market. Mm-hmm. So that means supply remains in crisis for that much longer. Is that Does that make sense? That does make sense because then you get then you get Lee Scholes from from ISU making statements like consumers need to be willing and able yeah. to buy beef. Two yeah. components, so you have to have the money. <laughs> you got to yep. have the want to, and you got to have the coin in your pocket. Right, right. The willingness to buy beef is is I don't think that's in question. No. People want a hamburger. Yep. Uh, if you're celebrating, you're celebrating with a steak. That, it, yep. That's become the uh, kind of SOP here in the states. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that ability, yeah, it's that ability to pay for the beef that, as as we've talked about, you can get all this economic data. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Bubba calls it BS. Yeah. Uh, the economic data and says just wait for the revisions or or even if they don't revise it, he still won't believe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's out there to build up a, a case for a Biden reelection is is kind of his bottom line. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, regardless, the data that the market has to work with is is showing us a resilient, if, if not strong, economy. Mm-hmm. Now, we turn that around and go to something that you and I, I think, honestly, Davis, it was you and I that started talking about it first. I, I watch a fair amount of business networks, CNN, yeah, or yeah, uh, CNBC, and, sure. and Fox Business, and, and that, I, Bloomberg, I watch a fair amount of that. And it it was it was a month after you and I started talking about the affordability issues oh. that they finally started talking about. Right, right. Well, and, it's, a, it's an important distinction. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, inflation is down, but it's still inflation. Right. Especially when you add it on to the last three years worth of inflation. Mm-hmm. That's why nothing is affordable. Right. And that whole issue is, I think, is going to be part of what will be written into a recovery economy model at some point in the future. But it, it's, uh, it's hard to, to gauge right now. National Weather Service 6 to 10 day outlook, February 7th through the 11th. Above normal temperatures with the highest odds of above normal temperatures right in the middle of the country. Mm-hmm. Above normal precipitation also expected over the Corn Belt. Jump out to the 8 to 14 day. Feb 9 to 15, the above normal temperatures stick around. And low odds, but above normal precip in the outlook there. Thanks for listening today. Come back tomorrow morning. We're going to have a free-for-all. Tomorrow afternoon, Jim Bauer from Bauer Trading here on Agritalk.